It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. The Tanas decision is made against Roy Keane. Ah, right, okay, yeah. And you've got to <laughs> look him in the anus. Welcome to Pint of Football, the nation's drunkest football podcast, where much like a non-league team battling through the FA Cup qualifiers, we're just about hanging on in the podcast universe. He survived a cup set against a team four leagues below him just to be here. It's Andy Baxter. Yeah, that's, that's fair, I think. And I am Daz Napton, your host and a man who does nothing but pray for a big away day at Tooting and Mitcham United. After being knocked out by Windsor FC two rounds ago, sadly Tom Meadowcroft does not make it into the hat for this round. But we're here anyway. It's in the mix again. And it's, I dare say, the first episode that we're recording, which has been requested by a follower on Twitter. Nice. Let it never be said that we don't listen to people who listen to us. I mean, I don't know if this guy does listen to us or if he just thought, these guys are weird enough to do this topic. Yeah, these need all the help they can get. Let me suggest something for them to talk about. And I am just quickly scrolling through Twitter because I can't actually remember the guy's name. Oh, good. I think you might know him because I'm sure he's a Bristol Rovers fan. Oh, was it Holmesy? Yes. Yeah, I forgot it was that one we're doing. There we go. Holmesy, who also goes by... Holmes with a Z, 1980. He, he put us up to this task, and it actually originally came from somebody called The Red Men TV, which may be a Liverpool reference. Yeah, but... it's dis- disappointing that it, it does sound like a Liverpool thing, which I'm not happy about. But <laughs> And he'd said that after Todd Bowley had come up with this North versus South suggestion the other week, which you probably remember, 
and can probably elaborate on in, in a little minute, they'd asked, if you could add one thing from another sport to football, what would it be? Holmes1980 on Twitter got in touch and said, this sounds like the task for pint of football. Did you want to elaborate on what the North versus South thing was? Yeah, um, the, the, the new Chelsea owner, I think it was taken out of context, really. He didn't, when you actually listen to the full interview, which I have done, he didn't say, my suggestion is we have a North versus South game. He said, because he's from a baseball background, and he said, what we have in America is all-star games where we have we pick a team and put them against a different team you know, for whatever reason. And they're really popular over there. They raise loads of money for whatever it is they're doing. And, you know, they're well attended and they sell loads of hospitality tickets and it's all good. So what he said is we could do something like that, something, I don't know, like North versus South. And bear in mind, he's lived in the country for five minutes. He might not know all the nuance of what he could have suggested. So I don't think it's fair to sort of ridicule him because he's a dumb American that doesn't know anything about our sport. That's that's what I think anyway. I think it's I think there is definitely um place for what he said because he said, you know, we could use this money to help fund the pyramid, help fund grassroots and, you know, pass it down to smaller clubs than than what need it, because Chelsea don't need the money and other clubs in the Premier League don't need it, but your local teams do. Yeah. I think yeah, I think that, that element of it's definitely a good thing. I'm sure, I can't remember exactly what it was, but in the late 90s, there used to be, and I want to say, I'm going to put on record, this is what it is, but it might not be this, Europe versus rest of the world. Okay. And that was sort of like an all-star European team, and then they'd play the rest of the world, which granted was mainly just South America. Mm. But I remember that was a huge showcase because that was like during the time we'd have like Fat Ronaldo, Rivaldo, Zidane. I think Michael Owen was sort of at his peak at that point as well. Beckham probably was there. And then I also remember Beckham playing in the MLS All-Stars, which is what you sort of started the point with. And they every okay. season they every season used to play like Chelsea or Man U or Arsenal or whoever. So that rings about actually as well, yeah. Yeah, because like they, they play in MLS 11 or something, wouldn't they? That would probably brand it, yeah. Because the thing is with the MLS, as we all know, is most teams have at least one good player. And I reckon, you know, if you've got 40 teams all with one marquee player, you must be able to make quite a formidable side. Gareth Bale's over there, obviously. Higuain, some big names. Chiellini and- plays with Bale as well. They could definitely make a real good eleven from the MLS, but we're here to bring some context to it by having a Daz versus Bax versus Tom challenge. And what we're all going to do, all three of us, is we're going to add three new rules to the game, and we've got certain parameters for them. So the parameters are: the first rule has to be a rule that already exists in another sport. Obviously, it can be adapted. The second rule will be a, just a genuine, unique idea, something that you've been watching and you thought, oh, maybe they should do that instead. And then the third one is just a silly rule that you think would maybe in- increase the entertainment value out of those nil-nils. Bex is going to go first. I'm going to put him in the make-your-own-rules hot seat. Before- 
before you do, um, it sounds like it's all San Marino against the Seychelles tonight, by the oh. way. Well, that in itself is an amazing game. I've always said there should be a World Cup for the bottom 32 teams like there is for the top 32 teams. I'd be great. Uh, what, the bottom of the the FIFA rankings? Yeah. Yeah, that's a fabulous idea. I just think it'd be so good to give them the exposure they need. And let's face it, there's enough money knocking around in FIFA that, let's say, Australia or somewhere like America could definitely host it quite easily because most of the lower teams are obviously near Australia or in the Caribbean or, or San Marino, <laughs> unfortunately for them. They're literally within the the walls of Italy, unfortunately for them. Yeah. Not much chance of expanding their brand, really, is there? No, no, they are a bit stuck. But, you know, it's I'm, I'm all for the underdog, as we are on this pod. It's kind of one of our core values. So, um, yeah, we wish them well tonight. But equally, we also wish the Seychelles well. So, yeah. you know, as long as there's a goal, either way, we'll be happy. If it's nil-nil, I'll be sad. There is actually such amount of pressure that it's probably the first time ever San Marino are expected to win tonight. Mm. So, anyway, let's kick things off. Baxter, give me a rule from another sport that would help improve football. Something I like quite a lot is a squad size that they have in NFL. And I think what it does is stop the top clubs or any club hoarding all the best young talent. It works in conjunction with the draft system that they have over there anyway. I don't know how much you know about that, but for those who don't, the bottom placed team in the league at the end of the season get first pick of all the new youngsters coming through, like they're about to turn professional. So that gives them a sort of chance of being a bit better, um, you know, improving their side for next year, which is that in itself is, is a good idea. How you'd implement it in football, I don't know exactly, but, you know, it works for their system. So that's fine. Um, but what I do find, we were speaking about Chelsea earlier, they the amount of players they have who they just gobble up from the from from lower league teams for like nominal fees, um, and then you never see them again. Or even like like Man City do the same now. They've just signed Calvin Phillips. He used to play ninety minutes every week for Leeds, and although he's injured at the moment, he just he's played like two minutes of football before he got injured this season. It's totally stupid. So. Um, yeah, so, so that's what, what we're going for, the, the 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 squad size. So in America, in American football, the way it works is throughout the summer, so in their preseason, they can have as many players as they like, you know, when they're just sort of training and practicing and stuff. But there is a deadline day before week one, and that's when you have to cut down your squad to 53. Now, that's including your star players, your average players, your young players, um, everyone. There's only allowed to be 53. Your match day squad is 46. And then the rest of them are what's called the practice squad, which is basically just everyone else. So they're not included on the game day, but they're just they're still in your squad and that's allowed. And I think that it would stop this hoarding of all the, the young talent and all the other the players from the other the other sides. I mean, we'd have to work on the amount because that figure might work for them and not necessarily in our football, but I like the premise. Well, that was that was kind of what I was going to quiz you on, because I know in Spain, 
I'm sure they're only allowed to register 26 players. And then obviously the rest of them either get loaned out or go to the B team. A lot of them have um, B yeah. teams in the pyramid, don't they? So is it that they can only have that many players on the books or is it that they can only register that many players? Because the problem you'll still get is, let's say it was 26 or 30, mm. Chelsea might still have a club of 80 players, but 50 of them are out on loan. Yeah, true. But I would... Well, yeah, I suppose you'd have to introduce this as well as serious reform to the loan system to stop that happening. Um, it, it's not a finished solution by any stretch of imagination, but I think it would go some way to stop. Like, you know, Ross Barkley went to Chelsea, barely plays. Danny Drinkwater doesn't play. Um, as I say, Calvin Phillips. Good players just sort of disappear because they just don't get a game and um, it just seems seems silly. I don't understand what's in it for the players apart from the bag load of money. Well, I suppose mm. when you get to that level of being an elite sportsman, you always back yourself. You've got that sort of confidence and arrogance almost to think, yeah, I can make it. I can show my worth and, and sort of force my way in. So then just to throw one more question at you about this. So let's say you are the best player in the championship, but your team's not getting promoted, you're mid-table. Man City come in, or whoever your fantasy big club is, come in. Would you rather be on the books at the massive club and then get loaned back out to the team you played for, earning 10 times the amount? Or would you rather be trying to get your team up to the Premier League. That's the problem with the system, isn't it? That's the exact problem, because if you say you wouldn't do that, then you're lying to yourself, because you would. But then the downside with the going to the big team system or idea is you potentially, like Calvin Phillips, potentially then risk not being called for England anymore. Also... At the end of your contract, you might get released and then end up going even further down. At least if you're the star player of the team that you permanently play for, you've got the opportunity to become a hero. Very rare would you ever get a loanee who becomes a club icon, I guess. That's very true as well. So I guess there's, there is arguments for both sides of it, isn't there? I think if you were going to introduce the cap, it would have to be a cap of players employed by the club. Let's say you were allowed a squad of 26, for example, and then your employed number of players in your first team could be a maximum of, let's say, 35. So you've got a maximum of nine players who aren't in the squad but can get loaned out. I think that would be the only way you could really do it. You know, hopefully this, this sort of captures the listeners' imagination too, and they can get in touch with some sort of other suggestions and some tweaks, because I think there is a nugget of sense in it, but you're right, there are too many sort of bits to iron out at the moment. Do you remember, um, I'm going back as far as 2017 here, a player called Cohen Brammel, who signed for Arsenal from 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 a non-league side whose name is escaping me, Hensford, 
Oh yeah, of course. I do remember. I didn't know that was his name, but I remember yeah, Bramall. Because me and Tom went to watch Hensford. I'm sure it was literally the match after he'd left because everyone was talking about it. Ah, okay. Interesting. So obviously you know the story, but for those who don't, Arsenal took him on trial and then in January 2017 they signed him. He must have been good because, you know, they, they, a flipping Premier League club were interested in him. Um, they It was reported he spent about 40 grand on him, which is probably amazing for um, Hensford and they probably paid a lot of their bills for the season and they were very happy. But you know, he just, he was loaned out. He went to Birmingham where he played five times on loan and then he got released. It was totally pointless. So where is he now? What's he doing now? At Rotherham, apparently. I have to check. He's still done all right then, really, hasn't he? He's still a, a player in the Football League, which is obviously better than he was have done. And he's obviously made a good living out of it, so fair play to him. But, you know, it just seems odd. He could have sort of fizzled out to nothing, but at least, as you say, he's um, doing his bit. Yeah, it really is that thing of living out your dream and being a part of a big team versus playing as much football as you can. You'd like to think it's 50-50. You'd like to think 50% of players want to play every minute of every game and and be happy, but then you also assume 50% just want to make it big and you know wear the Man City top or whatever but the reality is it's probably more like 98 to you know <laughs> these days there's only going to be 2% of players who grow up a you know a Geordie play for Newcastle I mean it's probably a bad example now because of the, the Saudi money but mm. I'm just thinking of like big cities no, with Big cities with mid-table, like West Ham is another sort of good example, really. You know, there'll be players who grow up in the schoolyard thinking, I want to play for West Ham, that's my dream. They make that dream by the time they're 16. And then when they're 18, Liverpool sign them and they're like, ah, actually, I've got a new dream. (laughs) Well, Frank Lampard comes through at West Ham. Now they hate him. Yeah, I mean, it's a good idea. I do like it. And I do think it would help the pyramid. Quickly, before we leave this idea, while I was researching the rules of American football and their selection policy, I found something quite funny. In 1991, so a good while ago now, the rules were changed to allow a third quarterback to dress for the game, as in to be ready and have his kit and all that. But he would only be allowed on the field if both active quarterbacks were knocked out. Makes you think back to uh, the story we did the other week on football strangest matches where those two players got electrocuted and died on the field. Maybe football should have a similar rule where if players die, there's a sub, an extra sub who can you come on like and eat. Sub. Yeah, yeah, a bonus sub if anyone dies. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure you could call it a bonus. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Maybe a boneless. <laughs> a boneless sub like a jellyfish well no the player who he's coming on for may be boneless by that point well, at, least yeah. life, at least lifeless yeah very limp yeah <laughs> well yeah I mean that that could have probably qualified for your silly idea but that's that's patterned now I took that one I'll stick that in my uh, back pocket for if I can't think of a better one so we'll move on then so now what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you for um, an original Baxter rule 
you know, you're listening to Match of the Day late at night. The commentator says, oh, it's now time for the Baxter rule to come into place. Yeah, that like the Bosman rule, which I don't know who Bosman was. Whether he, I don't think he was a player of any sort of um, repute or any, any sort of great success. It was Leon Osman's brother, Barry Osman. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Osman. <Leon> Osman. <laughs> so, this, I don't know if it's a wholly original thought, as in I'm not claiming that nobody else has had this idea, but it's to combat when players go down with injury and, and, and to, to, to waste time, typically at the end of the game when you're winning 1-0 away from home, your, your team seems more susceptible to getting cramp and little niggling injuries that, you know, can be treated with a little bit of the physio coming on and, I don't know, poking you a bit, and then you seem to be fine to continue. So my amendment to the rules would be that if you go down with an injury, you have to leave the pitch for an agreed period of time. I mean, whatever that would be, whether it's three minutes, whatever, I don't know, it would be agreed by the FA before it's put into place. But you would, you're then sort of handicapping your team by you have to wait for this period to elapse before you can come back on. And, you know, it means you could sit and roll around on the floor and have these, the physio treat you for as long as required because you'd still have to go off and they'd have, the opposition would still would have the advantage. So my worry is, people would still try and use it tactically because you know some canny managers are saying, you know, take as long as you need and things like that. And it is a time-wasting as part of the game. Of course it is, but it is, it's quite frustrating, isn't it? If you're watching a game and the opposition are ahead and they're taking every possible second and eking out as long as they can for throw-ins and goal kicks and stuff like that, and it is frustrating, but I can't really do a lot about that. But what we can do a lot about is the intervention by the trainer and sort of feigned injury. Now, I think that's one of the best things I've heard because I think anytime someone gets injured, two minutes off would stop that. And it, it would especially stop the tactical element of it being like the left back who's right at the far end of the pitch where, you know, the ball's likely to um, have less impact because if that left back goes off, you short a defender. Now, my first sort of thing was, well, if you played two up top, surely you'd just alternate your strikers so that you, you're only missing two minutes with, with 10 men and one of them's your top two. But you don't want to be playing half of the second half with 10 men, even if it is alternate players. The thing I think that would be a question, a follow-up question to this is, does that rule apply only if you're winning? <laughs> That's a good point. Um, I don't know. Because then what, if you're drawing, can you do it? Would you be likely to time with when you're drawing? Um, if you're, let's say, the bottom team in the league, you need a point to stay up on the last day. Yeah, and you're inexplicably holding Man City for nil-nil with five minutes to go and, you know, all your players start dropping like flies. Yeah. Um. That's interesting, but can you apply a rule based on how the game is going? And I'm not sure if you can. Yeah, if you were going to go down that route, what you'd do is, if you're winning, 
it always happens. If you're drawing and you're below your opposition in the table, which would be therefore deemed a good point, then yeah. That might be the way to decide it. So then at least it's the, the same rule for everyone then. You, yeah. you don't get clubs being favoured or not. That's a good idea. Because then if your star player happens to be on the end of a bad tackle, and it, it's one of those where we've all had them, you just need a minute or two to sort of mm. get over it and then you're back. You, the, the the two minutes off the pitch might be sort of what all you need and then you can come back on refreshed. So it's um it's not a punishment as such. Yeah, fine, you're losing for two minutes, but the, the, those two minutes of treatment have allowed him to come back on the pitch. You know, you don't need to immediately substitute him. I'm trying to think of other anomalies. Right, yeah. you're 2-0 up on aggregate and you're losing 1-0 in the second leg. You're losing, but technically you're winning. You're where, do we, winning where do we stand on that? Well, yeah, that's another good one. Um, <clears throat> I like that you think this would be so successful that UEFA would adopt the rule as well and it would be taken into their competition, so that's good. Well, they took VAR on. <laughs> VAR on. Pick ones, mayonnaise. Quality mayonnaise, dips, dressing and sauces that are mixed with love and flair. Pick what you want. Oh, yeah. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I would love to see that come in because it would stop. It would certainly stop fake injuries. I guess it's just that second question of how we'd actually put it into play. But much like with the two Irish guys who invented penalties, we'd just walk into that FA meeting with our briefcase slam it in on the table, open it up. And I'm sure when the Irish guys opened it up, it was just a picture of a penalty spot and a guy kicking it in the goal. They went, there's your answer for fouls, and then walked out. You sort the rest. <laughs> yeah, my invoice is in the post. <laughs> yeah, what do you think the briefcase is for? Or just fill it with cash. <laughs> fill it with cash. <laughs> so that leaves us with the final one which is the silly rule. So this can be anything that you've dreamt of that you just thought would make football a bit better. I assume you used to play heads and volleys when you were a kid. And taking us back now to the mean streets of Bootle growing <laughs> up. And, you know, everyone's got their own sort of slight variant of it. And sometimes we used to play it where each person would have like a number, like a number of lives almost. Yeah. And, you know, when you would concede, if you were in goal and you conceded a goal or if you were out and you sort of 
messed up by I can't, you know, doing whatever it was to be punished. Yeah, but, I remember I remember it really well. What would happen with our game is if you conceded a volley, it was two lives. Mm. If you conceded a half volley, it was one life. If you conceded a header, it was one life. The way that a goalkeeper would swap is one if you caught a shot. Yeah. So if I caught the header or the volley, you're in net. Or if you missed the target. Yeah. I, I remember that. If you hit it wide or over or whatever, then that, that was mm. you would then become the goalie or lose a life, whichever rule yeah. it was. There was also some weird rule about if you hit the crossbar, which I can't quite remember. I feel like if it hit the bar and went in, it didn't count. But then also if it hit the bar and went over, it didn't count. The, okay. the bar, the bar was kind of a bit like a, you know, there's not much you could do about that. The, the crossbar, if anything, is in the way, sort yeah. of approach. See, the the one that sticks in my mind was playing it in secondary school, which was very much um, someone had some white paint and drew a goal on a wall, so mm. the crossbar and post didn't really feature because yeah, it didn't react any differently to yeah hitting it. And when you used to run out of lives. Uh, you would be punished by having to face the wall and everyone else in the game would have a free shot at your backside. Yeah, we did that. I think you got actually, when you got to zero lives, you actually got a chance to gain a life back by having a penalty against you. Oh, okay. I think if you save the penalty, that guy had to go in net and then you got one life and you're back in the game. Ah, you see, I like that. That was a lot more complex than we ever bothered with. But oh, it was trying to learn the rules, heads and volley. Considering it sounds like it should just be head yeah. and volley, it there was a lot no, to it. I swear, no, in ours, in ours as well, you couldn't do half volleys inside the box. Okay, so it's basically like you could just walk up to the six yard bit, chip mm. it up for someone to smash it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense as well. Mm. Yeah, but now you mentioned that, I do remember there being an area and you could only score a header within that area. So I suppose that's just a, a variant of the same kind of rule. Mm. Um, I didn't know if there was a name for this punishment. We always used to just call it Red Arse, which is I quite yeah. like that name. <laughs> and I think that we'd like that to continue. We called it Tan Arse. Yeah, same thing, isn't it? Yeah. So that. What? Maybe... In, what in what circumstance? I don't know. Maybe are you doing like heads and volleys instead of penalties? No, but maybe if you miss a penalty, or maybe rather than get books for dissent, you oh. get you know the opposition get a go. They can put their best three strikers to have a shot at your bum. If a player is caught diving in the box instead of getting a book in, because it is a victimless crime, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That like, it wouldn't be a fair punishment for like a bad tackle or something like that, but for something. Like descent or like um, a dive, something like that. Then yeah, red ass. <laughs> I love that. Let me, right, so here's an, <laughs> I've always at the end of every one, I've got one anomaly here for you. So you, you're playing in the the big game, Everton versus Man U, and you you're there. You're playing for Everton. You you're one of the star strikers, and the Tanas decision is made against Roy Keane. Ah, right, okay, yeah. And you've got to look him in the anus. Because <laughs> you know he'd pull his shorts down. Oh, God, yeah. 
So I'm, I, I get what you're saying. So you think now, if I hit it, is he going to come for me later in the game? Yeah. Mm, yeah, that's a very good point. Mm, yeah, I haven't thought this through. <laughs> Would players deliberately miss? Well, I don't know. That's part of the rule. If, they, if that's the rule, then you run the risk of repercussions yeah. and fine. There were certain players you would deliberately miss against when you played on the school ground. You know, if there was like a lad who was a couple of years above but wasn't very good and ended up losing all his lives, get to that bit and you're like, if I absolutely ram this ball down his sphincter, there's a good chance there's going to be repercussions at the end of the day or next yeah. day, maybe next day at school. And the other thing is, though, I mean, it's it's a lot harder than... You think, you, you know, having a free shot and someone like that. I mean, you, people always just go for power rather than accuracy. And you, you, your accuracy is compromised if you try and thump it as hard as you can. I can't, I can't remember how far out we did it. it probably very day-to-day, didn't it? Can I, just before we move on from this, can I just say VAR? Is that what you call it? Yeah. Maybe that's what the school kids are calling it now. And, and... I hope so. So, a more a more uh, funny and modern day version where because you can guarantee there'd be someone filming it absolutely they can watch it back afterwards and determine if if the result was accurate yeah so that's that yeah very good you've done well there I think that second one that Baxter original is a good idea. Yeah, you quite like you quite like that, don't you? Yeah, good. I do. If it stops, if it stamps out diving and and whatnot, I think it's a good idea. It's yeah. not perfect because, as you say, there's different scenarios where it mightn't be appropriate and people might not go for it. But you know, that's one of the things that bugs me. So if we can do something about it, then great. Same with handball. Same with every rule in football. You know, there's always going to be that thing where people try and find a way around it. I mean, it wasn't until the mid or early 90s that um, passbacks were brought in, was it? So, I mean, it was quite early in the 90s, if it was. If yeah, it I was think the, the 90s. Denmark won the Euros in, I think it was 92, just by <laughs> going 1 0 up and doing that. Oh, yeah, that's true. So it must have been that. Because it might, the only thing that made me think it was very early 90s is because it was before the Premier League started. So it must have been the season after. Yeah, it must have been around that time. But mm. I remember Hernan Crespo once defeated the offside rule by going off injured when he played for Chelsea. He went off injured behind the Arsenal goal. The ball was booted up towards the Arsenal goal. And then he just ran back on. Obviously, he can't be offside because he wasn't on the pitch. Oh, nice. So then I think they made the rule that if you went off the pitch, you had to be allowed back on. Yeah, they had to sort of, yeah. Because before, I mean, in theory, what would be to stop any player? When, like, say you're a naked old striker, goalkeeper takes his goal kick, you can't bother to run back to halfway, so you just got to stand behind the goal. You're off the pitch, you can't be offside. Well, it's an offence to leave the pitch, isn't it, for that? Probably for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. But then, yeah, I suppose, yeah. It's the only time you leave the pitch is injured throwing or corner, really, isn't it? Or if you need a wee, like in the FA Cup qualifying round the other week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that, yeah, that still was um, punished. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. 
Yeah. So we're going to end the, rather than doing the quick fire quiz, well, no, it's not really a quick fire quiz because it usually takes us forever to <laughs> work out the answers. We're going to do, we're going to do an actual quick fire, not a quiz, but like a Q&A almost. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to fire some very, very quick fire rules at you from other sports. And you're just going to give us a yes or no, whether you think it would work in football. Okay. So here we go. First of all, goals from outside of the box count for two, like in basketball with the three-point mark. Maybe not outside the box, maybe further than that, but yeah. Timeouts allowed at a pause in play, like in several American sports. I very nearly picked the clock stops when it goes out of play. So, yeah. No passing forwards, like in rugby. <laughs> Fighting is allowed in exchange for a sin bin, like in ice yeah. hockey. Yes. Obviously, yes. <laughs> Goal kicks taken with a club, like in golf. <laughs> Do you know for some reason the first club that came to mind was like in the Flintstones, that sort of big sort of meaty stone thing that you uh, don't know why, but yeah. If a match is level after 90 minutes, the decision is made by a judging panel like in boxing. Who deserves to win? Better than penalties. Hmm. I really like that actually. That's not the worst idea. Who would be on your panel, though? Arsene Wenger, Alex Ferguson and Mourinho. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, because we can't even get it right with flipping current referees in the VAR, can we? Yeah, sadly, I think that one would end up going to XG, which yeah. we don't want a game to be decided by that. So maybe that one, we'll move that one over to a no. And also, part of the love of it is a small team digging in and, Getting a box against the wall, nil-nil against the big team. So maybe that is a bad idea. But if they knew that they were going to get ruled out by the judges, they'd have to go for the winner, which might even be more exciting. The scenes of the 90th minute underdog winner. Well, yeah, like in boxing as well, if you know you're behind and they're going into the last round, you've got to knock him out. Then, yeah, there's pros and cons. Goals with increased accuracy are worth more, like in archery. So if you hit it right in the top corner, in the sweet spot, it's worth more than a tap-in from six yards. So you'd have to like have the nets with maybe like sections on them, yeah. like, the different target points and stuff. That, that, yeah. I'm just trying to sort of picture it. If you like, the keeper comes out and you go round him and you've got a second or two to take your aim and then you just sort of try and get it as tight to the top corner as you could. But yeah. then you might, you might end up blasting it over if you do that. Yeah. Absolutely. This is one that you've slightly touched on anyway, but um, I'll mention it. Each season, players get drafted to new clubs like in American football. I wouldn't know how it would work. Maybe they have like a central academy or something and then the talents are all you know, auctioned off as such. But yeah, there must be a way to do it. How about just like in fantasy football where at the start of the season, no players belong to any club? And if you finish bottom of the league, then you get first pick. If you finish top of the league, you get 20th pick. That would wreak havoc with teams signing players and teams developing their own players, I suppose, wouldn't it? But hmm. there, there, there must be a way of 
doing it. It has to be with young players, I think. I think they should have maybe a central academy. Maybe that's what they could use that St. George's Park for. Mm. And just like so many players that don't get to the, 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 the specific club academies, but, you know, they would just be like a pool of free agents. Yeah. Something like Kickoff is decided by the two teams lining up on the pitch and pulling a rope in a test of strength. Like in tug of war. Tug of war. Um, no, it'd take too long, wouldn't it? Be good fun though to start the match. It would be good fun, and yeah, you risk injury and stuff. And, um, it, yeah, it might be good. I can't just say yes to all these rules. Fine. If the goalkeeper successfully throws the ball at an opponent player, they have to go off like in dodgeball. Yeah, because. I suppose if the opposition player controls it, then they've got the ball and they can just do whatever. Oh, yeah, that'd be sneaky, though, wouldn't it? You know, for some reason, that reminded me of when Dion Dublin hid behind Shea Given. And he, like, sneaked... header out of his hand or something. Yeah, and, like, sneaked out behind him. I don't <laughs> know why that reminds me of that. The first team to score X amount of goals in a match but has to have a two-goal lead wins, like in table tennis. And regular tennis. Yeah. Yeah, if it goes to um, sudden death or whatever it's called. Maybe for cup games. So if it was an FA FA Cup game and it's first to three goals. Yeah, but you can't win 3-2. You've got to win 4-2. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And yeah, at, at the risk of pulling more threads, like that cup in, is it Finland, where there's the lower league team has a penalty to determine how many head start goals they have. Yeah, there is something like that. And then, Why haven't we done an episode on that? It's great. <laughs> and then the last one, which is from horse racing. Oh, God. If a player dives to the floor, he or she is executed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? It's not diving. <laughs> Yeah, I was just checking the Seychelles score. I think it's still 0-0. Oh, that's going to be disappointing. Also, is it just that no one's updating it because no one knows? The, the, that San Marino fan account that sort of went viral not long ago because they sort of went mad when they scored a goal that everyone thought they were the proper the proper, the, the proper club. No, still 0-0, 62 minutes. They hit the post. Wow. It said we should have had three already, meaning San Marino should have had three. <laughs> Please, can you read the tweet from 51 minutes? Fuck! We hit the post. Come on, lads. So, yeah. Go on, then. Hit us with a joke. I had to take our dog to the vet as he wouldn't stop barking at the next-door neighbour. And the vet said, muzzle him. But I'm not sure, but he does have a big beard. Network. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.